every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift Lead Podcast with Chris McAllister. Hey, podcast listeners. Uh, so this is the first interview, and I'm excited for you to hear it. It's with Blaine Hogan, uh, B-L-A-I-N-E, Hogan, H-O-G-A-N.com, and he is an entrepreneur. He has been an actor. Cool story. You'll, you'll hear that. He's also a creative director at a church, and just to emphasize you know, for Sight Shift, there are some people on a religious journey and some people aren't in just different places. And we're here to invite you into a conversation. So nothing is pushed. It's just a really great conversation to help you learn what it means to be creative as a leader and how to tap into that. And I really wanted you to know about him and a, and a course that he makes available, letsmakebetter.com. Uh, no affiliate here. I'm just passing it on as something that may be helpful to you in your leadership. Now, here's the thing. I'm a noob at this. I'm learning. And we had a tech fail of Skype multiple times. Also, on top of that, um, the file that uh, I'm using, for whatever reason, and I had double backup, but one was echoey, and then one merged the question with the answer. There's like, I don't know enough about tech. So I'm asking the question, and he's starting to answer it before I finish it. I think you'll get the point. It'll be okay. Thanks for being here. Hit me up. Let me know what you think of it. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, tell us. We've got a lot that we want to jump into, but what's this acting yeah, thing well, all about? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. Um, uh, when I was nine, I was like, this is what I want to do. I did a community theater production of The Wizard of Oz, and from there I was, I, I was like literally hooked. And so, uh, you know, worked as kind of a kid and as a teen, went to uh, theater school, and um, from there bounced around the country doing a lot of what you call regional theater um, and uh, ended up in New York for a little while and then kind of made Chicago my home base and uh, has been fortunate enough to work at uh, some of the big theaters here in Chicago and uh, a number of years ago um, you know did a little bit of TV stuff uh, there's an old Fox series called Prison Break that only had a couple seasons but um, I was on a, a few episodes of that and you know really been fortunate enough uh, to, to make a, much of my living um, not right at this moment um, but uh, formally as, as an actor, which um, something I I had always dreamed of doing, um, and I've been fortunate enough to to say I I was able to do that. Wow, super cool, super cool. I think when I first uh, learned about you and your story, and I'm excited for folks to hear that, I saw something pop up on Twitter, and I didn't realize then it was a picture of you, but it was a quote of you standing in front of something and it said that the creative is the child who survived versus mm. the creative yep. adult. Uh, what, I mean, that arrested mm. me when you're in this mode of just, you know, flowing through so much. What, 
What does that yeah, mean to you? That's Let's a great, right yeah, it. it's a great quote. It's by, um, I, I think the woman's name is Ursula Le Guin, I believe. She's French. And, um, nice. yeah, it's the the cre- the creative adult is the child who survived. And I think we all, you know, sort of know the allegory of, uh, you know, you go into a classroom and, uh, in kindergarten, let's say, you start there and you ask, hey, how many of you guys are artists? And, you know, almost the entire class raises their hand and it goes on uh, through time and eventually um, you know you you ask people who who's an artist and you know now let's say you're in college and you know we've all sort of decided what it is that that uh, we're gonna do what are, what are our professions and very few people have decided that they're gonna professionally pursue art um, and what she's saying is that the uh, creative adult so in you know in that case uh, I really think that we're all artists in, in one way or another um, but the creative adult is that child from kindergarten that has survived and said that they are artists. And and by that I mean, you know, she says, she uses the word creative, which really doesn't mean uh, making fine art in, in, uh, in the way I interpret it. It's really um, create. Uh, creativity is really a way of thinking, thinking differently. And so that's how you approach parenting and how you approach um, uh, leadership or how you approach uh, really anything that you're just going to approach it with a different mindset. That's living creatively. And uh, not all of us are able to embrace that. Um, so the creative adult is that child in kindergarten who raised their hand and said, yeah, I'm an artist who has survived um, being having creativity beat out of them in in, uh, in many ways. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could give like a uh, digital fist bump with you sharing that because listeners uh, that have tracked through the podcast up to this point, I referenced that exact sure. same idea. The research about the kindergartners and raising their hands and it's uh, it's so crazy that we see this trajectory. Now, uh, you were talking about how being a creative and leadership are connected. Um, I, I want you to talk about that some more, but before you do, I think that you've got authority to make that statement because your current role, there's a lot of leadership involved. Yeah, in that, uh, right. Yeah, Tell so um, you know, about seven years ago, I, I, I made a switch from uh, making secular art to uh, really bridging the gap to sacred art, and so my role right now is a, is a creative director at Willow Creek. Community Church, which is a pretty large church um, in Chicago. And so my role is to um, create and advance uh, creativity in our in our services. And not only here here at Willow, um, but I do a fair amount of creative direction f- uh, as, as a freelancer. And, you know, that has gone from, you know, working with Fortune 500 companies to really luxury boutiques. Um, uh, but yeah, leadership is a huge part of um, my creative creative process in that I need to come up with the idea and then I need to communicate that vision to a team of people who will ultimately execute it. And that team of people, let's say the people that you're leading, the the staff and volunteers, it's around how many people? I mean, it really varies from product uh, project to project, um, but uh, it's anywhere from a team of three to a team of uh, 50 that ultimately are responsible for executing the vision um, that I'm uh, attempting to share. 
-hmm. And that's going to touch roughly how many people? Here at Willow, you know, we have um, uh, weekly services uh, in upwards of 25 to 30,000. And then um, we uh, yearly uh, have what's called the Global Leadership Summit. And over the last few years, um, pieces that that I've created that have cast vision for, um, you know, that's in upwards of a million people um, at this point. Fascinating. Super cool. So, yeah, you've got the, the the track record on this, the expertise on this, and then the work that you're doing, which I'm excited to tell folks about, uh, you know, at the end of this interview, uh, this current project that you're involved in to help us all increase our ability or unblock our ability to be creative. Uh, if you were to explain to somebody how being creative and leadership are connected what would that look like? How would you uh, I think I would go back to that that first example. Is that um, you know the the core of of leadership, as my boss would define it, Bill Hybels, um, he would say it's it's really taking people from here to there, and to do that, it takes a tremendous amount of imagination, and uh, it's disrupting the idea of here, and we need to make here feel so terrible and. Uh, awful that everybody says, I don't want to stay here anymore. I want to go over there. And then, um, so that just, that takes vision and guts and courage to tell people this place where we're at right now, this place stinks. And then it it takes a tremendous amount of creativity in, uh, vision casting, uh, and trying to enliven people's imagination to go, you're right. This place sucks. Let's go there. Let me tell you about there. And that is all about creativity. Um, and then I think uh, the, the once you kind of get to there, um, the only reason there exists is because you've thought about it differently. You've, you, you're, 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 what you're trying to do, I think really great leaders are change people's mindsets. And uh, to do that is, uh, the, in essence, the core of creativity, thinking differently. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you see? So, because I want to talk about for folks that are approaching their leadership creatively, artistically, all of us are creatives, all of us are artists, as you said. Uh, What do you see as the points that start shutting that creativity down? Uh, You know, maybe at an early stage or a late stage in your working with artists. Uh, where do you see some things start to really sure. get locked up? I mean, up I, I think a lot of it just comes back uh, or comes to the idea of fear. Um, and uh, being an artist or being creative really is a, a, a courageous act because what that means is you're stepping out of step. And I think that um, you, know, you look at, at, at our culture that you know has gone from an agrarian culture where you know there was a way that you farmed the land and um, you, you worked the land and eventually we've moved into the you know the industrial age and everything sort of became systematized and then you kind of move into uh, the last sort of 50 years um, and it became an age of information and the, the ones and the zeros and and now we've moved into what I think a lot of people are calling the inventive or the the imaginative age and I think you look at uh, just the last 50 years of growing up in, in the information age there was just a way that you did things People stayed at companies for 30, 40, 50 years. My grandfather worked for Cargill for 45. 
five years just working on a, a barge as, a, as an engineer. That's nearly unheard of um, now. And so I think that uh, there just has been a way in which you live your life. You, uh, you, you go to school if you're fortunate enough to, to be able to do that and you get married uh, or you have a partner or you, you but you have kids and you move into the suburbs you get a mortgage and there's just a way in which there's a pattern in which you you do things and so uh, anybody that is attempting to move outside of that I think it's has gotten a lot of flack and that is scary but we're not all called to do that uh, sort of linear tra- trajectory and I think a lot of us my Many of us probably are not created to do that, um, but there are just so many voices still. I think that say, "Well, you can't do that," or um, uh, "That's not how you do it," or uh, "That's uh, there's a way in which you do this, and the way you're going about it isn't isn't there." And I think that those voices are just. Uh, pervasive throughout, uh, you know, all different systems. Whether it's um, whether it's the the education education system or just like the banking system, um, how do you get a loan? And you have to have credit before you can do that. And, and just the system uh, of it all. I think Seth Godin um, says it really well, and he says, pretty frankly, the system is broken. Um, and so, uh, you know, he, someone like him, is attempting to to fix that. So I think there are roadblocks, man, all the way through life. So the fear, yes, so huge. Uh, And I loved how you connected it to some education system, banking system. I made a horrible business decision a decade ago. We had to recover from like six figures of debt. And if I approached it the way everybody wanted me to, which uh, would be to be afraid, and you just tell me what path to take and not been creative, we wouldn't have been able to have stability as a family. Uh, So I'm recently stepping away from teaching at a liberal arts university. It was kind of a side thing I was doing. And uh, I just emailed all the faculty. Like this past week, I did a reply all. I wanted to create a little bit of a ruckus and say, you're preparing them for a future that Mm -hmm. doesn't exist. They have to be taught how to uh, creatively go about and, and build products and nurture an audience and lean into those fear points. And so, yeah, I love that you use the word fear. I love that you use the word imagination. We talk a lot about that here because what we've realized this era with theoretical physics, uh, Stephen Hawking says this imaginary time is just as real as time. We wouldn't have gotten these breakthroughs if we didn't think outside of space-time continuum as we know it. And that's exactly what you're saying. Uh, for the artists. So that was super cool. Well, what do you see as some pressure points where we get that creativity blocked in us that cause us to either get out of, uh, to get in our own way and, and commit self-sabotaging behavior? The biggest pain point is a lack of self-awareness. Um, a lack of self-awareness is, you know, first of all, hurtful for the leader, but then, you know, everybody else uh, that that they lead. Um, and the the uh, no, most of us don't go around thinking like, oh, gee, what's going on inside of me, and how is that affecting everything I do? Um, but in my opinion, that is the absolute core of good and creative leadership. Um, and a, a lot of us that that might um, be fortunate enough to sort of have things quote unquote going according to plan are certainly not going to uh, be uh, in the uh, the line of thinking like oh I should think about you know dis 
disrupting disrupting all this. Everything's going according to plan. And in some ways, uh, my own story uh, helped you know catalyze my my sort of switch in career from the uh, secular to the sacred. Um, but what was key for me was starting to become more self aware. And I think that that is the key um, to to unlocking everything. Yeah, I was just about to ask about with your story. So when did I'd like to hear when did you become aware and what did you become sure. aware of? Um, in regards so, to you know, I can actually boil it down to a day. Um, it was uh, a beautiful October wow. day here in Chicago. And this is now 10 years ago. And um, I was uh, depositing a check from 20th Century Fox from this TV uh, show that, that I was doing. And it was not a big check, but it, it had a comma in it. And it was the biggest check that I had ever seen. And I I, I got it from doing the thing that I said I always wanted to do. And so I deposit this check. I get back in my car. I get on 90 and I'm headed downtown Chicago. Um, We're about to go do uh, a show that evening at um, one of the big theaters here in town. And I'm driving along and I'm thinking, "I've I've done it. Like, this is what I wanted to do. I'm checking all these boxes off. And, you know, I want to work with this director. I want to be on a TV show or I want to be able to pay my rent acting. And I'm driving along and all of a sudden it hits me and, and I'm like, it, well, now what? Like, is this is this it? And, you know, it wasn't this, like, spiritual moment of, like, oh, God doesn't want me to be an actor or, you know, any any anything like that. It just was like maybe there's some some more I, I need to be uh, looking at um, and now at, at the at the same time um, I I was struggling with a lot of addictive behavior, and um, and uh, for me, the community that I was a part of was really, uh, you know, pretty much okay with kind of whatever it was that I was doing. And from that moment of um, realization that there 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 maybe there's more to this life than just doing this one thing or things going according to plan, um, my my body kind of collapsed on me, um, and I started to experience a series of panic attacks that put me um, in the emergency room a bunch of times and it was it was sort of my body kind of telling me hey there's a lot of stuff that you need to start looking at and um, I a, a fair amount of trauma in my past that I'd gone to therapy and I, you know I thought I'd worked through a lot of it but the fact that you know I was still exhibiting a ton of addiction um, maybe uh, maybe I needed to pay attention to this and so you know I, I would say that those of us or anybody who's listening that uh, is an addict of any kind, you know, I actually think, or a former addict or recovering addict, however you want to describe it, um, it in some ways we're the fortunate ones um, because uh, our bodies uh, are telling us that we have to look at something and it's a life or death scenario. Um, those of us who are not addicts, I don't think are as fortunate um, because you don't have the gift of a life or death scenario staring you um, in the face. Um, and I think that's why then it becomes so easy to give into the fear and to not be self-aware. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was these were macro issues. And for other people, they're way more subtle and they're harder to dig around. 
Um, but they still must be found out uh, because I do think it's life or death for everybody. So well, I'm totally. going to trust that we got something we're doing for people and uh, we got to keep doing it. And the, the resistance is a clue. So I'll hit record again. And So you share that and I hear exactly what you're saying about addictions. And something that we talk about around here is that oh, we all yeah. have addictions. And when we stop the addiction, the pain comes to the surface. Uh, so, cause everybody has the, this pain in the fear. Oh, Have yeah. you ever so, shared um, any you know, I, of your addictions to, publicly um, before? I, I had sexual or I was sexually abused when I was a kid. So 10, 11 years old. And from that point, um, uh, my da- I grew up in sort of an addictive home. My dad was, uh, an, an alcoholic and, um, there was a lot of illness in our home. My mom uh, was a really severe diabetic. And so there's just a lot of chaos and trauma, um, growing up. And um, the way I disappeared was really through, like, pornography and sex. And so um, that was, you know, that was it. Some people, it's food. Some people, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's donuts and, and, and uh, Jim Beaton. For me, it was the Internet and, you know, anybody that I could get my hands. One of the things that uh, when I was doing some research for this, I saw – this phrase, this line yep. that you have, and uh, it's for something we're going to tell folks about in a little bit, but better humans, better art. Oh, that that captured me because I think sometimes we forget. Right. It's like on Elf, uh, you know, I'm a human raised by humans. That's all of us. And this path that you seem to be capturing a little bit about the fact that as we become more aware of our humanity or yeah, better humans, I, I mean, I, uh, we make I things that, better. Um, what, what's that mean for you? What's that phrase? Break it down for us. Integrated um, the things that we make with the people that we are, and I think that a lot of what you, the work that you're doing, and you know, a lot of the thought leaders that, that I follow are, are are trying to reintegrate that. Um, that to, as I become more whole, so as I become more self-aware, as I become uh, less fearful, as I become more courageous, um, as I become a better human, you know, like how we were like made to be, the more I do that, the better my art is. And, um, and, and vice versa. It's sort of like once that flywheel starts, it's hard to keep, it's hard to keep going because like kind of what you say, you stop your addictions, your, your pain starts to uh, come to the surface. So, you know, you, 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 you have to be willing to begin to, to deal with that. Um, but I remember uh, that as I was developing um, this this online course, kind of distilling the last 10 years of my life, really, um, into what, eight weeks, um, that phrase came to mind. I was like, yes, that's it. That, that that's actually what I'm trying to do. I want people to make better art. I want people to become better leaders. But the only way no, uh, the only way I know how to help people do that is to also help them become better humans and and probably to do that part first. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk about that because that was what initially intrigued me when the opportunity for this uh, developed. I got online and researched something that you had started, 
and I resonated with the wording so much. I want to ask yeah, about so, that, but tell um, us what that is first. It's an eight-week online uh, creative project process you're doing called course, Let's Make Better. and um, uh, it is meant to, one, like I said, help uh, you become a better artist. So I'm going to teach you everything I know about making great art, from inspiration to ideation to to how to pitch to um, you know all of the techniques and the disciplines. But in addition to that, as the course moves on, um, it becomes a deeper and deeper integration of learning how to become more self-aware, um, learning about your story, kind of um, uh, where have you come from and where are you going, and uh, developing a creed that you can you can you know really sink your teeth into and, and live out of kind of kind of a manifesto. And so, like I said, the last ten years of my life, really since that moment in my car and all of those panic attacks, I went from being an actor to being a seminary student and getting a master's in theology and culture and psychology to now, you know, being a creative director here at this big church and kind of living on this intersection of, you know, working for Fortune 500 companies and then doing sacred art um, and be trying to become a more whole person um, is a distillation of my last 10 years, the journey of me becoming a more whole person and ultimately becoming a better artist into an eight-week course um, that, you know, obviously all of that 10 years can't happen in eight weeks, um, but it's meant to jumpstart that creative process of really being an integrated person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to make a statement, and then I want you to react to it and tell me, like, that is bull crap, or I, I track with that. Correct. Creativity 100%. is not something yep, learned 100%. or achieved but um, unblocked. You can, I mean, uh, you can... Uh, I can teach you some disciplines, you know, and um, some some ways in which you can uh, be more disciplined about about being creative. Um, but again, if we go with the definition that creativity is not a noun, it's not a thing. It's it's a verb. I mean, it's too creative. I know that's not <laughs> that's not correct English, doctor. Um, but that that is the way that I think about it. That it is you know <laughs> thinking differently um, and. Uh, that's uh, something that we all have innately inside of us is how I think we were created to, to be. Um, but that needs to be unlocked through uh, a series of, um, you know, episodes of sort of breaking breaking down uh, your fear and, and learning how to, to be unstuck and becoming more self-aware and being uh, willing to express the things that you're afraid of and being uh, willing to uh, see the things that you're addicted to um and uh and so really the eight weeks is sort of an unblocking process um to help people become more creative and what's been really cool about the course is that it 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 has run the gamut of people that have taken it you know so hundreds have taken it it's actually you know a worldwide community of 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 people but from designers to pastors to therapists to leaders of corporate to mommy and daddy bloggers um, that have taken the course and have um, seen some really amazing uh, results. So what you're describing this course, it's letsmakebetter.com. That's where they find this if they're interested. And we got more uh, questions coming, but at least I want to let people know that. And I want to hear from you. 
So you my, about this my creed, creed is that, that the you world help people understand through this course and, what's your uh, creed. For me, I grew up Catholic, and I remember I tell a story in the course about sitting outside of a um, a classroom at Epiphany Parish in Coon Rapids, Minnesota, and I'm sitting with one of the nuns in these cold metal chairs, and she's like sort of you know, berating me to, to remember, um, uh, the apostles creed. And even to this day, I I still struggle with it. Um, but as I look back, I, I, I know that they just wanted us to learn it, to kind of check it off the list, but like, you know, in any, (laughs) in any faith background, you know, uh, whatever, whatever you believe, whether it's a a religion or, or anything, I mean, we all have some sort of belief, some sort of like underlying faith. And if we have faith in anything, we even just ourselves um, to uh, if we want to really engage in that on a daily basis there must be something foundational there must be something that we can always come back to and say well this is what I believe and um is I did my own work. I really came to the the uh, the um, the words. The world isn't finished. Um, that means you and I are not finished. Uh, we're meant to be whole people, creating things that transform the world. And uh, that creed really defines everything that I, I I do and everything I try to do on a daily basis. And so you know, make better is is an attempt at, at an expression of the of the of the world. Me trying to make the world uh, a more whole, more finished place. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, what's that's, not that's finished? A great question. In Blaine right now, um, where does you know, he fit here? As someone who has he having experienced to pay a lot of to? trauma, a lot of the residual of that is just uh, no, anxiety. And so, I experience pretty much every day a fairly low-level uh, hum of anxiety. And so, for me, that's kind of my uh, my daily struggle, and um, something I need to approach every day in uh, just being quiet. And just trying to breathe, and um, trying to, to pay attention, and uh, to to be more present. Um, and uh, for me, I actually experienced that really physically. And so, for really the last, I mean, as far as I can remember, I've had chronic sinus infections. And so, last year, I took um, a round of antibiotics, and I, I I remember taking the last round. I couldn't couldn't uh, I couldn't break it. And you can actually hear it in my voice right now. Um, but I looked at it and it said uh, it was called levoflaxin um, for any of the doctors out there. And I looked at it and it said can also be used for plague. Can also be used to mm-hmm. treat plague. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm on a pl- I'm on the plague drug. This is like what 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 my sickness has come to. And I was like. No more. I I need to get well, and so it, the last year has been a, a process of trying to you know seeing a homeopath and going on silent retreats and trying to see a chiropractor. And that may sound like foo foo, like mumbo jumbo, um, but I've been having to. What's not well, what's not finished, is my body, and it's still you know got the residual effects of of my trauma, and so I am in the process of of working that out. 
you know, right now. And I think that we've all experienced trauma. And like you said, we're all addicted in one way or another. Um, and once we sort of identify what that trauma is, then it becomes, you know, seeing, well, what are the symptoms of that? And then what do I need to do next? Um, because trauma, I mean, look at those those marks of trauma. Um, that has taken away from our, our wholeness. Uh, and so that's what I'm working on right now. Yeah, man, thanks for the vulnerability with that. One of the things that uh, was huge for me was when I started studying implicit memory. Have you studied much on that, implicit, explicit memory? Okay, so yeah, you're familiar with all this and how it gets stored in you, and it's these experiences that you go through. And after reading hundreds of pages of clinical trials on PTSD, and it's just realizing this. No. Our systems of our body, they need perfect caretaking, and none of us get that. And so we're all learning how to, and, and this was why that phrase captured me on Twitter about the creative uh, adult as the child who survived. The way that I come at this, and I want to hear mm. your take on it, is we've exiled parts of who we are to survive pain. The task of adulthood, and this is what makes us be able to relax our way into mm. our to our own brilliance. The task of adulthood is to welcome back all of those parts. Oh, um, goodness. And so You're gonna, this is turning is into a therapy session, Chris. To welcome back to the But day. you know what? I, 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 I welcome it. Um, man, I mean, what you're talking about is disassociation, <laughs> right? What, that, that we end up disassociating from the things that are uncomfortable and the things that are yeah. uh, painful. And I, I love what you say about that work of, of, of adulthood is, is actually relaxing into brilliance. Man, that's such a great phrase. Um, I, I, I didn't, so we've got two girls, uh, Ruby is, uh, going to be four in April and Eloise will be, well, she's, you know, uh, 17 months now. And, uh, my wife, Margaret and I, one of the things that we say we're trying to do is we're trying to help them become good grownups so that when they become adults, they, they might already like have dealt with some of the. You know this this timeout hurts right now, um, but it's not going to hurt as much as you know a, a bigger consequence when you're 25. Um, I didn't get that as a kid, like I, I just didn't. And so for me, being an adult is really hard work, mm-hmm. and it's exhausting. Like going to the post office or you know mailing a package or like doing what uh, uh, some people think are just like just normal tasks for me are are kind of difficult because um i I, no one taught me a a lot of discipline and and no one taught me uh what it feels like to have consequences and so you know now i've got this day-to-day job working at a church whereas before i was working completely as a freelance actor for me the day-to-day of getting up and going to what uh, is a a nine-to-five job is one of the most healthy things i can do because it it has me committed and it has me um, you know doing something on a on a on a daily basis and so what's coming back to me as a as an adult now is the fact that I didn't I didn't get a lot of that training that we're trying to give our girls right now of what it what it's like to to practice being an adult even as a you know as a little four year old um, and so for me it's just 
what's coming back is just the attempt, you know, at being an adult. And that feels a lot like being a kid sometimes. Yeah. It's crazy because all of our journeys are so different. The principles are the same. The principles that I saw that you have outlined at like, let's make oh, better. Sure. The principles we talk about on this podcast. Cause for me, when money's tight, playful Chris goes away. So what I've learned to recognize, cause I'm in a phase where I've launched out and, and done this with a, with a full-time focus as it's growing and taking off. Hey, playful Chris gets to come and show up and be here for family night and be stupid sure. and make up silly raps. And my daughters are preteen, so it takes about 0.02 seconds for me to get an eye roll. Uh, but it's that part that makes me feel so alive. And and there are actions that I'm learning that right. I have to do every day, this thing that you're talking about, consistency, that that position me to live whole. It's not going to guarantee it. What are those actions or what is yeah, the best I, I, one action? A lot of it I'm learning from our, our daughter. Other than like you said, actually, going and showing. Up. I watch them and, um, because of the, you know, and this is not a, a, a pat on the back, but because of the environment, my wife and I are trying to create for them. Um, and you see this in so many kids, but y- you know, that thing where uh, a kid is just sort of mindlessly, you know, singing or humming to themselves and they, you know, that little sway that they kind of do back and forth. And, um, I, I, this, this may be projecting, but I read that is someone's going to take care of me. And um, someone's looking out for me. And um, if I poop my pants, someone is going to clean that up or someone's going to feed me. And, um, you know, in all of the faith traditions, you know, that's that's a, a pretty core statement is that, you know, being a part of community or being a, a part of a, any kind of faith tradition um, is believing that you're going to be okay that someone's got your back, that someone is thinking about you, that you are not doing this on your own. And for me, that one tangible practice is waking up, looking at my daughters and seeing that they believe that and then attempting to embrace that myself, that I am not alone. And um, one of the most fun things for me about Make Better and the community has just been to see people make that connection. And they go, oh, I'm not the only one who's scared of that. Oh, I'm not the I'm not the only one that's a, a, a afraid that that might happen to them. Or I, just I'm not the only one. Um, Brene Brown talks about that uh, in with regard to shame a lot. Uh, and uh, you know, you, people start expressing the things that they're ashamed of or afraid of, and we all go, "Oh, yeah." This, the most powerful phrase she talks about is "me too," um, and. Uh, uh, so for me, you know, that's I'm getting a little uh, roundabout here. So you can jump in anytime. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm totally because what happens is when shame is present, shame is a lie to us about who we are. Mm. Fear makes us feel the lie. So uh, what we do, we do work helping people figure out that lie. And and there are about nine lies uh, that we've seen some groupings around. What I'm hearing in you, that lie that says, uh, if I don't take care of myself, no one else will. And what shame makes you feel 
that you well, have to yeah, look out for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Nobody else is going to do yeah. that. Fear and, makes you feel you'll no, be abandoned. No, and that's what I see that in, takes in our daughters away. is there uh, is joy. And, so, and, and I think, you know, a lot of it goes back to kind of where we started, that the, the joy is creative mm-hmm. because it's living in the face of fear, and that's thinking differently than the way most people think. Yeah, well, then it's unblocked. You can't keep the creativity from coming. And I think that coming out of you, and I think that frustration can fuel sure. art well, uh, and I think sometimes it can block up because then it's like we've got something to prove to the world. How have you navigated that in your creativity Yeah, uh, um, when, when I, the frustration I, I, is there to fuel it really, or I, I to think say, hey, let's back come back to, at this another day? First of all, you have to be self-aware to kind of know, gee, what's going on here? What is what is making me feel this way? Is it that, you know, I'm staring at this blank page and I, I, I just am not prepared to do the work or uh, sit down and, you know, embrace that, that blank page? Or do I need to go to the zoo? Or do I need to go to the go on a walk? Or do I need to listen to some music? Uh, you know, what are the what are the things? Sort of the non-traditional things, um, and uh, it, it's just it's 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 knowing the what's going on, and to do that, you you have to be self-aware. Um, and uh, so for for me, it, it's kind of you know oscillates. Sometimes it's recognizing like okay, um, it 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 isn't. It isn't that um, I I uh, I need a, a, another venue or inspiration. It's just that I'm procrastinating. I'm afraid I'm going to fail, and this idea is going to be terrible. And so for me, I need to sit. Uh, the phrase we use in Make Better is knees or buns, which I borrow from a, an author friend of mine, Shauna Nequis. Something she tells her her boys at dinner table at the dinner table. You, you, you knees or buns. You got to sit on your knees, or you got to sit on your buns, um, but you got to stay here and finish your dinner, knees or buns, however you want to do that. And so I need to stay in front of my work, knees or buns, or I recognize, um, like like I said, I I, I need a, a jolt of something. I need I need to to get out of my comfort zone. I need to do something that you know feels awkward. I mean, it's kind of like you know a good a good trainer kind of gets you on a, a a routine for a while, and they want you to show up and do. Do the work and 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 do it as hard as you can, and then there comes a point where you need some muscle confusion. You need to stress your muscles in a different way, and then um, and then that you know that's where the inspiration comes. I think yeah. I think sitting down and doing the work is is one thing, but taking a nap and and letting um, ideas percolate in the shower is also part of the process. Heck yeah, I'm tracking with that. Uh, so we're going to switch to a lightning round here in a second. But ooh, uh, what's the most recent um, I, I example of something that you did here, to confuse um, your creative muscles? Uh, there's, it's a, a, a kind of a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's called Soho House. Are you familiar with it? Okay, so he belongs to Soho House, and it's this very exclusive sort of creative professional I am. Um, environment. It's like open 24 hours a day, and he invited um, my colleague and I to come for the day. And um, it was, I mean, it's just an incredibly beautiful environment. It you walk in and it just smells amazing, and the 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 whole place is is just creative inspiration around every corner. And so I was fortunate enough to just go do that. Um, 
and, and for for those of us, so if that example is maybe a little bit too too out there, and that's really you know specific. Um, for me, a lot of my ideas come when I'm running, and so uh, you know here in Chicago today it's 21 degrees, Chris. Last three two weeks ago it was like 75 degrees, um, and but I went on a run, and. And um, three things that I had been like, oh, what am I going to do about this? Or I don't have an idea for that. All of a sudden, it was like boom, boom, boom. And that was 30 minutes of going on a run. Um, but it meant, you know, sacrificing, you know, time away from my family and that kind of stuff. And so those are two examples for me where uh, it kind of jolted me out of out of my comfort zone, out of my office, and um, sparked some real creativity. And ironically, I wasn't sitting in front of my computer. Yeah. A trail running is my jam. And yep. the science yep. with this, like, it, what it does is you're insecure in your identity. Your cortex is on fire, frontal cortex. Moving your body calms it down so you're not insecure, and it unblocks that creativity. And so yep. I'm a total weirdo. Yep. And here's how I picture running. Lions are chasing sure. me. That's my problems. They're going to eat me. I love it. But with yeah, running, you're, you're like taking I run the with lizard the brain and the creativity is fueled by the problems, and that's what I hear there. So cool. Uh, really who's your current jam you love listening to? Helps you get in that zone where you just chill. And also uh, Tinkerbell and the Legend of the Never Beast. And that is nice. <laughs> uh, uh, that is. Uh, there's uh, Katie Tunstall. Okay, I gotta and, uh, check I that out. The guy's name who scored it, but it's like the brand new Tinkerbell movie, and it's the score is so good, and we listen to it a lot in our house. Totally, I love, love it. I love it. You're at that phase. I'm past it now, where you sit down and you're like, Barbie Topia is the most brilliantly written manuscript ever. Not uh, su- <laughs> super cool, well, man. Thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, if people are going to connect to you. Uh, I know we've got uh, let's make better.com is my blog. Course. And Another way they would me connect with you would be Twitter, what's best. Instagram, all of that under, under Blaine Hogan. I would love to connect, um, in, you know, a thousand different ways with, with your audience, Chris. So if there's anything that, that I could do that would be useful for them, um, you know, it's pretty easy to find me on the internet. All right. Well, I, there's a little bit of internet glitch right when you had said your name, so I'm just going to spell it out for everybody. Blaine, B-L-A-I-N-E, so Hogan. And so thanks for being on today. Privilege to have Great. you. Peace out, buddy.